welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we talk with Robert Merkay. Robert is the Global Sports Marketing Director for Adidas Terex and, until recently, also served as their trail running team manager. This conversation covers a broad range of topics, including why Terex decided to invest so substantially in the trail running space over the last five to six years, the trail running team model that they're building, how they define value in the athlete-sponsor relationship, what it's like to be a Terex athlete, the state of events in our sport, and much, much more. But before we get started, I do have a few discount codes for listeners. For Kodiak Cakes, use SINGLETRACK15 to get 15% off your next order. For Athletic Greens, go to athleticgreens.com backslash singletrack to get a year's worth of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you sign up for a subscription. And for Inside Tracker, go to insidetracker.com backslash singletrack to get 31% off your order through July 17th and 20% off after that. All of these deals are made possible because Singletrack is now brought to you by a couple of sponsors. First, Kodiak Cakes. I'm super stoked about this, this partnership. Almost as stoked, I would say, as Chris Mako when he secured a similar one with them back in the Mako Show days. But seriously, if you're like me, your weekend long run is followed up with a big stack of pancakes, and Kodiak Cakes should be a part of it. They should be the centerpiece of that tradition. They taste great. They're whole grain. They come with protein. Um, If pancakes aren't your thing, Kodiak Cakes is diversified. They also make great oatmeal, which I've incorporated into the weekday breakfast routine, and what else is cool? They're based in Park City, Utah, uh, and it's just it's great to be aligned with a local company. So use that promo code SINGLETRACK15 on their website checkout to get 15% off your next order. Second, Inside Tracker. This company is awesome. You get your blood drawn, you answer a few lifestyle questions, you upload the data, and they analyze the results and provide an action plan with the most accurate, personalized recommendations about where you can improve when it comes to eating and and supplements so that you can solve that critical diet part of the training equation. Think of it like having your own personal data-driven nutritionist in an app. As I mentioned, for the week of July 11th through July 17th, if you go to insidetracker.com backslash singletrack, you will get 31% off whatever order you make. After that, it is 20% off in the ensuing weeks. I will be taking my own Inside Tracker test later this month. I look forward to sharing the results with all of you just to provide insight into how I personally use their platform to guide my diet and ultimately to reach my training and racing goals. Finally, Athletic Greens. I started taking their AG1 product about three years ago, so in my mind, this is a long time coming. It's since become a part of my morning routine to ensure that I am covering all of my nutrient bases and absorbing all of those whole food sourced vitamins minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, you name it, that I need to round out my diet. Um, I think of this like nutritional insurance. It's lifestyle friendly as well. And it works for you whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, you name it. And it costs less than $3 a day, which I know for some of you out there is way less than you spend on your daily coffee. So it's a good deal. If you want to arm your immune system with that convenient daily nutrition like I do, as I said, go to athleticgreens.com backslash singletrack. Uh, when you sign up for a subscription, using that link is going to get you a year's worth supply of vitamin D for free, as well as five travel packs. 
So there you have it. Kodiak Cakes, Inside Tracker, Athletic Greens, proud sponsors of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get started, though. Robert Merke, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, all there. Great to, to have me. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure talking to you today. I'm excited to chat for a lot of reasons. Maybe the first of which is a lot of listeners are fascinated by the athlete sponsor relationship and how different brands approach it, but they might also say it's a black box to them and it's hard to make sense of much of it from afar. So I think that we'll have a chance here today to have a pretty wide ranging conversation about the space and shed light on how you and your team at Terex thinks about it and does things. And maybe we'll get some of your views as well on the industry as a whole and where it's headed, but it's just great to have you here. So maybe we I ask you first, uh, what is your background in trail running? Like if you were to give a quick elevator summary of how you got into the sport, uh, paint that picture for us. First of all, thanks for having me. And it's a pleasure for me, um, giving, giving a couple of these insights and, uh, it's cool that more and more people are getting interested also in the, in the business part of the sport, because it's such a community thing and people are getting into it simply because of being enthusiastic about playing in the outdoors. Um, yeah, if I can share a couple of insights from the business side, I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. My background about trail running, I was growing up in the, um, in the southern, most southern part of Germany, which is uh, the, the border area to the Alps. Um, as most of the kids in my, in my age, we were starting with cross-country skiing. Uh, so cross-country skiing was uh, the main winter activity. We more or less grew up on skis. So um, when school was done, first thing was uh yeah school bags in the corner and then out on the slopes and out on the the cross-country tracks and uh, yeah if you grow up in a winter sport which is endurance based uh of course you're doing some summer training as well and uh, even the term trail running was not in our ears back in these days uh we did more or less nothing different we were running on the trails because there are in the alps no no roads for us <laughs> growing up so trail running was an integral part of our activity from uh from childhood days onwards and uh yeah with the um with having more and more focus on um, um the performance side of things you're getting more seriously into training and uh yeah, then you find out hey, um, cross-country skiing was your initial thing, but hey, running is even more your talent and more your passion. And uh, when there are five months of perfect snow conditions, there are still um, almost seven months of perfect running conditions. And so you're at one point of time switching gears more towards the summer. And um, yeah, that's my, my story with trail running and how I grew up in the sport. Um, finally, um, it's now making a passion a profession and uh i'm feeling very very blessed about that because hey um playing in the outdoor is something i grew up with and now i'm getting paid for more or less allowing other people to enjoy exactly that it's it's an underrated form of marriage marrying passion and profession <laughs> <laughs> we talk about our partners but passion and profession is a pretty good marriage as well Absolutely. There is a, there's, there's this saying, if you are doing what you love, you'd never need to work again. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I think that's, that describes a little bit, um, how I, how I describe my job. Um, yeah, as you say, it's a kind of a passion and if you do, and if you're getting paid for doing what you love, uh, you're not feeling this as a kind of an obligation. It's more or less, yeah, living your dream and living your passion. And, uh, like I said, allowing 
other people to have the same kind of joy in what you're giving to them as you do have when you're doing your job is, yeah, it's definitely a privilege. Well, we hinted at it in the introduction, but can you talk about what your past and present roles have been at Adidas Sterix as they apply to trail running? I know at one point you were the trail team manager, so uh, maybe talk about that as well. I'm heading up the sports marketing for the, the Terex business of Adidas, which is more or less the outdoor, the outdoor chapter of the Adidas brand. Um, I'm doing that on a global level. And so being responsible for all the sports marketing initiatives for, for the Terex brand and um, doing that now for almost 10 years. And um, as a part of this job, I was more or less, um, yeah, starting the strategic approach on trail running for the brand uh, back in 2027. 2017. One thing that sticks out to me is the rise of Adidas Terex in our sport. I mean, when I think of all of the trail teams out there, Solomon, Hoka, Saucony, you name it, um, Adidas really sticks out on my radar as a team that seems to really invest heavily in the space, take care of their athletes, build the team out, innovate. Before we get into all that, though, can you talk about some of the differences you see in the landscape now versus then, because there has been a, enough time, I think, and our sport is so rapidly changing. So maybe talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What you what you see at the moment um, seems Adidas is taking over or Adidas is coming with full strength and Adidas is there as a, as a kind of a, a, a powerhouse of trail running. But, um, it all started, like you said, already five, six years ago, and nobody noticed. And um, I think that's already one of the uh, the reasons why we are successful today, because we were not stepping into the sport with the big cash and with a big bang and buying out more or less the biggest name of the sport. Mm. Um, we were building something from, from scratch, and we wanted to build something which is unique for the sport. And um, you just named a couple of other brands. And of course, we investigated what are the, what are the brands doing, who are successful in the sport, um, but also what is specific for the sport and what is lacking in the sport. And uh, talking to these athletes, it was always coming back to the same kind of uh, topic and saying, hey, we were all growing up in different sports and we all enjoyed being part of a university team or in Europe, we were playing team sports in school. And uh, then after school, we had to move to something new and the new for them was trail running. And they loved it because of it opened up completely new areas and new, uh, new playgrounds to them. But all of them were missing something. And this was this team element from their childhood days, from their school days, from being at university teams and all that stuff, or running for college or whatever. And uh, therefore, we said, okay, um, if this is something which is missing in that sport, let's do exactly that. And let's collect the people together who are sharing these, uh, these mindsets and who are looking exactly for that, what's currently missing in the sport. And if we can deliver that, perhaps we can make a difference for the sport, for the athletes and uh, yeah, for the community of trail runners. And, um, it was always this vision to create this kind of unique team environment. Hmm. Um, 
simply because it was organic. And um, like I said, yeah, that's that's what we decided almost six years ago. And then it was just step by step growing. And it was step by step growing simply because you need to select the right characters. You need to, uh, to select the people who are willing to join this kind of movement, who are buying into your idea, uh, sharing the same passion about forming a team, because forming a team is always something you take something from it, but you also need to give something back. Yeah. And uh, this requires a special, special character and special people. And uh, we were really looking for exactly these. Yeah. And um, yeah, 2022, we definitely have this strong team and this bunch of humans, which are definitely special in the community. And this is what, for, what is forming this Terex team today. Well, and I'll, clarify this by saying this is just my opinion as a fan and spectator of the sport but i believe that when brands use the word team they use the word pretty generously and if i were to pull back the curtain on what they've called a team it doesn't actually really look like a team and and i say that as somebody who as you mentioned you know i, I played football i played basketball i played baseball i the, the team environment is such a special place and you get a ton of inspiration from it. You get a ton of motivation from it. It keeps you going in a sport. Um, can you talk about how the Terex team is really trying to fulfill the meaning of that word and to create that environment for the athletes and the coaches, et cetera? It's definitely more than just sharing a uniform. And this is where team ends with most of the teams and uh, this is where the team starts with us. So of course it's something uh, you need to invest in from an infrastructure perspective. So what we do is of course we are, we are offering the team to come together in, in places to train, in places to race. Um, we are offering the infrastructure of uh, connecting the people even during the pandemic, doing uh, doing uh, weekly online uh, sessions with them, uh, giving them opportunities to exchange experiences and to to remain connected, even in a time when uh, athletes were locked down in lockdowns or were not able to travel or where races were uh, were cancelled. Um, this is this kind of infrastructure you can bring from a team management. Mm. On the other side, um, like I said, you need to have the right people who also want to drive this team spirit and they are interacting even when we are not initiating these things. So um, whenever there is a, a team calendar or a race calendar of the individuals, it's shared with all the other teammates. So if somebody travels to an event, the first thing is, hey, I'm going to this event, is someone else going? Uh, can we share forces? Do we sh uh, do we put our resources together to support each other at event X Y Z? Um, if we go to a training camp, um, hey, I have an accommodation here. Does somebody wants to join? So there is this this um, this intrinsic motivation of the teammates to spend time together and to yeah to grow with each other. And um, I think this is this kind of vice versa relationship you can can facilitate and you can also support and you need to invest in that as well but you also need to have the right athletes who want to bring that to life and um, are making use out of these offers you are giving to them 
I do want to come back to this ultimate conversation about how the team is structured and how it operates on a global level. But you said something interesting there about the right athletes. And I think a lot of folks would be fascinated to know, how are you recruiting and or competing for athletes? Or have you created an environment where there's just so much inbound? Like there's so many athletes that just want to be a part of the team that that's not even part of the strategy. And that's definitely something which changed over time. So in the beginning, when you're coming with a vision, um, you definitely need to convince athletes that you are the right partner for them. Uh, in the meantime, it changed dramatically that I have my inbox filled with applications uh, every week, every month, every year. And um, I, can, I can only say, sorry, but there is only limited space. And I think this is also this kind of um, um, this kind of secret behind. You can only manage a team properly if the team remains in a certain, or if the amount of athletes you have to manage is not through the roof. Mm. So you can only give one hundred percent service uh, to the capacity you can handle. And uh, we have always made the call and said um, service and quality is what we want to stand for. And therefore, our team size will never grow exponentially, mm. simply because we cannot have this personal relationship with 100 athletes. We cannot service hundreds of athletes on the level we think it is needed in the sport of trail running, because you as their main partner or you as the main partner uh, you have obligations when signing an athlete. Mm. It's not only the athlete has an obligation towards the brand because the athlete is getting paid. You are having a severe obligation towards your athlete and you need to feel responsible for the career, for the, yeah, for the development of the athlete. And this is simply a service you cannot offer to an unlimited amount of athletes. And therefore, um, I'm in a lucky position that I'm getting more applications than I could ever handle. Um, for example, last year, we were just growing the team by two. And uh, the two were more or less, we had already scouted them before the athletes were aware that we are scouting them. <laughs> so um, there is, of course, a full protocol of, of things an athlete needs to fulfill if the athlete fits or to fit into the Team Tarek setup. And uh, that's by far more than just performance and uh, yeah, race results and winning races or having yeah, great results all over the world. And uh, yeah, therefore currently I can, I can only say we are in a lucky position that we are getting more applications. Uh, nevertheless, we are always using our existing team members to also uh, promote people out of their communities or people they feel confident and familiar with. And uh, so it's, it's, it's often this kind of growth from inside instead of that we are just picking random people um, because they applied for, for a position in Team Terex. You said a lot of interesting things there. I'll just pick one. You used the phrase obligation to the athlete, which I think a lot of listeners might have been surprised to hear that because when they think of the athlete sponsor relationship, they think of 
a tremendously one-sided affair where they live in constant fear that their next race may be their last with that brand and you know they're one injury away from irrelevancy and yeah just the, the whole professional landscape is just this there's just a creeping fear associated with it and anxiety so can you uh spell out more what you mean by obligation to the athlete and how maybe Terex takes a more security-based approach for the athlete. You're hitting the nail on the head. And uh, that's also why I do not like the term sponsorship. Um, mm. Sponsorship is something I think uh, the term should completely disappear out of modern sports because uh, this is this typical, okay, you get money and you do what I have to tell, uh, what I uh, tell you to do. <laughs> Um, we are talking about a partnership or a corporation. And um, in a niche sport like trail running, um, there is not too much of a supportive network of these individual athletes. So uh, if you compare it to established sports, um, they have their coach, they have their manager, or at least someone who is taking care on the business affairs of becoming a professional athlete. Um, then they have people around taking care on media stuff or whatever. And we see it in Adidas as well. So um, don't underestimate um, how we appear when we are showing up with a trail running superstar on our campus. Uh, but on the same day, there is a soccer superstar from the football business uh, on campus as well. Um, everyone is turning heads because of the football player is coming with uh, security people and with a manager and with a camera team following his footsteps. And then we are coming with the, the top superstar of trail running, uh, going to the, to the employees canteen and nobody is turning heads. So on the one hand side, it's the beauty of being a niche sport. On the other side, what I wanted to, to, to highlight is these people do not have this professional network taking care on their careers, taking care on a solid career plan. And um, I see it simply as the obligation of a team and a team management um, to establish exactly these career plans with the athletes. Because like you said, if you're, if you're entering a corporation, if you're entering a partnership in an endurance sport, you're entering this partnership world for long-term success. It's not normal that you are just uh, signing an athlete and the athlete is winning race after race after race from the moment that you are signing this athlete. And that's also not what we want to achieve. We want to help athletes to live a professional life in the sport. And we are scouting these athletes before they are really hitting the, the, the highest level of their performances because we know that we can support them on this journey. Hmm. And this is exactly what you do. And uh, this is nothing you can create with creating pressure. Hmm. And um, what creates the most pressure with a young athlete is they have to deliver results. They have to be successful. They need to win the next race. But in endurance sports, success is not coming overnight. It's coming over years. You need you need the time you need to develop develop your body over time um, that it is a coming to the top level of its performance but more importantly to remain healthy for the long run and 
why do I, do I want to burn out an athlete in one year and drop the athlete in the next year, scout a new fresh athlete, burn it out completely, drop it in the following year and do this again and again and again and again when I can build up a team where I'm having a good relationship with the athletes because all know that we are in together for the long run and that we are here to build up their careers to build up these two brands in parallel because when the athlete grows the team grows when the team grows the brand grows and this needs to go hand in hand and in parallel and if you're successful doing that you are remaining a team for five years for a full career for how many years at all because you know that it's a it's a it's a match and you know that it's a benefit for both parties and that's exactly what i mean with taking care on athletes careers taking care and being responsible for an athlete um because hey as an ultra distance runner how many shots do you have in a season two or three yeah and um the chance of winning a race um two, three percent, because you are not the only talent lining up to win the race. Everyone next to you in the first row of the starting grid is going into the race exactly with the same goal to win the race. So if your chance of winning the race is two, three percent and you're having a chance to win a race two, three, four times a year, the chance of having a season without a really, really breakthrough result is fairly high. And um, that's what we are aware of hmm. and um, the athletes need to understand that we are not uh, looking into the the next race only or we are not only looking into the results of this one year um, and taking away this pressure from the shoulders of the athletes is already raising their chances to have not only a two or three percent chance to win the race um, to potentially 20 or 30% because they are going to the start line so relaxed because like you said, they know it's not the end of their career if they drop out or if they do not win the race. And uh, yeah, that's lots of talking about saying uh, what taking care about an athlete means to me. If, for example, I am a newly signed Adidas Terex athlete, at a minimum, how long can I expect to work with the with the company? And maybe what do those initial conversations look like about uh, contractual obligations? Like I have to do X amount on social media or I have to make this many race appearances. I know it must vary significantly based on the athlete, but is there any general rule you follow in those initial conversations? Uh, the good thing is we are not treating people um equally yes we are treating people equally but we are not uh working um with every human in the same way so just going with every athlete through the same scenario does not make sense i think contracting a partner going through negotiations is a fairly personal approach and uh, therefore you need to listen to what the partner wants to achieve and uh, what the what the goal of the partner is and only if this if this uh, this wider vision of a career and this wider vision of how do the next two three four years look like 
if if this aligns, then it makes sense to talk about all these contractual obligations and these contractual clauses. And every human is completely different. Um, nevertheless, if you are asking me for a framework, um, I, do, I personally think uh, a contract duration with a young athlete less than three years does not make sense. Simply because um, starting a relationship, um, it takes a year until you are familiar with um, with all the mechanics, with um, how it works to operate in that kind of team scenario. Uh, you need to get in contact with also the people working for Terex on a, on a product side, on a marketing side, on a content creation side. This is all not happening overnight. Um, but after getting familiar in year one, you can then go into into execution mode more or less from year two onwards and really benefit from all these newly gained benefits from the team setup and from the brand supporting you. So uh, the first big move with regards to performance, with regards to results, this is what we see towards the end of year two, beginning of year three. So if we are going into relationship with a contract duration less than three years, um, I'm just investing into a partner, but I'm not able to harvest what I've seeded. And therefore I think uh, if you really want to have a, a fruitful relationship, you need to have the trust in the partner over the long run. And um, if you're not feeling confident giving a partner a three-year contract, then you simply didn't do your job of negotiating and scouting correctly. Because, um, yeah, I was never ever questioning handing out a three-year contract because I was spending so much time with a partner before signing the contract that I, that I was completely aligned my vision the vision of the partner, the vision of the brand, it all aligns and we are all moving in the same direction. We are sharing the same passion, mm. we are sharing the same goals. And if you check all this beforehand, and if the partner is aware what he is signing, she is signing up for, um, then there is no risk of giving the partner also the security of hanging a long-term contract. Well, I think we've been talking the last 20 minutes about a pretty cool template that you've created for the industry at Terex for trail athletes. And what sticks out to me, and I think about this in the business world and in entrepreneurship as well. I, I've thought about this for a while. I think that a lack of a figurative insurance policy is the greatest bottleneck to self-actualization and greatness for an athlete. That could be just the peace of mind, knowing that you're going to be on a team for three to four years. In business, it could be, I just need healthcare for a year while I get this this thing off the ground and make some profitability. You have created that environment, it seems, at Terex, which I think is an incredible service to the sport. I ask this question a lot to athletes, and I'm curious to get your take here. Do you notice more athletes willing to go all in on their dreams, being a pro runner, because of the environment you've created? And do you th would you say that this is maybe the, the biggest limiting factor in why they wouldn't do it? Um, yeah, you can definitely say, or we see it as well, that for example, with athletes who start with Terex on a, on a next gen contract. So these are the newbies joining our team when they are 22, 23, 24 years, years old. 
and they are by far not on a contract level where they can make a living out of the sport because they are going to the university in parallel or they're having a, uh, an education going on. Um, but like you said, if you give them this kind of safety net, um, they are definitely more willing to go all in because um, they see it's not only this dependency on a price money you win from a race. It's this kind of environment which is created for you, which allows you to test your limits. And um, to be honest, I think that's a that's that's a beautiful situation if you're a young athlete and you have nothing to lose and you just give it a try for two, three years. And um, that's what we try to create. Um, it's still our obligation to to bring these people down to a healthy understanding of what it takes to be a professional athlete. And I think this is still in the world of trail running frequently a fairly naive uh, way of moving into professional sports. Uh, lots of people do not understand what it takes to make a living out of sport. Uh, lots of people do not do not understand how much financial funding they need to really um, operate as a professional athlete, uh, what it takes to travel the world for racing um, without a kind of a support network. And if you want to create this support network, you need to pay for it. And this is something we are taking away from the athletes. We are coming with this support network. We are creating this kind of mechanism to allow athletes to travel within the team, but also individually. Um, we are supporting the athlete inside the team, but also individually, just something you were mentioning with, uh, with health insurance. Um, we are also supporting athletes with an individual physio when they are training at home or we are supporting them paying a coach or we are paying um, gym memberships for the athletes. So this is this kind of environment mostly the athletes are not thinking about when trying to turn pro. And here, once again, I see it as our obligation to A, take away the naiveness and giving them a little bit of heads up and say, hey, this is what it takes to run professionally. And uh, in Team Terex, they can, they can tap into that world and uh, they, can, they can test themselves out if this professional athlete's life suits them, if they are made to make a professional career as a runner, um, because we are simply giving them the, the chance to test themselves out but they can also go back and say, hey, I was testing it out now for one to three years. Uh, I'd rather go back to a, uh, to a, to a half-time job and run semi-professional because this gives me a kind of a foundation from a financial perspective. Um, it takes my mental uh, life a little bit back to reality because I'm not thinking all day long just about training, about racing, about what's the next, the next, the next thing I want to, I want to achieve in my career. So I think this giving people the environment to test themselves out and um, having the luxury of doing that in a, in a professional, in a well-organized environment I think this is sometimes for athletes so much more important than a, than a big paycheck. Mm. One other thing that comes to mind, the Terex team is notable to me because I think 
you have a lot of athletes that are at the very cutting edge of what it looks like to be a pro in our sport. So uh, Tom Evans comes to mind, Ruth Croft, uh, Abby Hall, Sabrina Stanley. I, I think all four of those athletes have totally committed themselves to the sport. I could be wrong. They could be doing some coaching on the side, but by and large, they're, they're in it. And, you know, if I survey the landscape right now, I think a lot of athletes, even the pros would tell me, I like to do this in addition to some other part-time or full-time job. But I'm curious if you think, given what those four athletes are doing on a daily basis, do you think that they will no longer be the exception to the rule in five or 10 years? Do you think that most athletes that are competing at the top end of the sport in say 2030 are going to need to make this their life's work, like their full-time thing? It's funny because the characters you were just mentioning are so, so diverse and they are um, approaching their professional racing so differently. Um, but you, uh, you say correctly, they have dedicated their lives to running. They are definitely full-time professional runners, um, but approaching professional running completely differently. Um, if you ask me in 2020 or in 2030, if you want to uh, win Western States or if you want to win UTMB or if you want to win the race, which is the most important race in 2030, nobody knows what this will be. Um, I think you definitely need to follow their footsteps. And um, does it mean um, full-time professional? I do not know, but you need to have this full-time professional's mindset. And um, I think this is exactly the decisive point. What does it take to win these races? And like I said, for some it is easier if they do not need to mentally focus on running 24-7. So perhaps for some of them it's easier if they do couple of hours per week, uh, a normal a normal job, which completely sets them away from running and allows them to mentally recharge because they have something else in their life. Um, what I absolutely, and that's something, what was also the driving element for creating this team is that making the sport more professional is an absolute need because when I entered the sport and and sorry to say it was a, a completely community driven sport by experience of the successful athletes so if you weren't successful athletes people were uh, looking up to you and say okay I'm not duplicating what this dude does and I will also become a successful runner and that worked over a long uh, a long time Trail running is becoming so much more professional from a coaching perspective, from the methodology behind coaching. It's not just adapting a marathon plan and making it an ultra uh, distance trail running race plan. It's it's really a, a, uh, it's bringing coaches who are 100% experts in trail running. It's products being tailored for trail running. It's nutrition industry is picking up the specific needs of athletes who are out there, not only for four, five, six hours, but 15, 20 or 30 hours. Um, and all this 
is also affecting the human body and the human body is getting more insights and the human body is getting more uh, more knowledge about how do you train your human body and uh, what does it take to really um, uh, develop performance and uh, still enjoy this specific feeling of the outdoor sport because it's not like hitting the track and doing 400 meter intervals. Uh, yes, you're doing uphill intervals, but you're doing them still on a uh, on a nice on a nice mountain ridge. Yeah? And uh, therefore, I think this mindset of doing the sport more professional, this needs to sink in. And it's not the person anymore who is uh, out of the door in the morning at six and coming back at four saying okay i didn't proper training today it's not just about running right. anymore it's so much more and i think that's what you definitely need to integrate in your life if you want to be a successful runner in 2030 it's funny that you say that last part because i was just listening to a great podcast between jason coop who's a reputable coach here in the u.s and ben rosario who started the hoka naz elite trail team six years ago and he laments the fact in that conversation with Jason about how in 2014, he didn't realize that he needed a strength coach. He didn't realize that he needed uh, a mental performance coach. He didn't realize he needed a couple yoga people, a couple Pilates people, like this whole additional component to make sure that the runners were ready for the next run the next day and, you know, in aggregate over the training block. Very interesting. So I think that's the next evolution where athletes realize they can and maybe should fill the rest of their day outside of running with stuff to really get that last two, three, four percent of performance. And that's exactly what we establish when we are bringing the team together. So we, uh, from the first day onwards, we had this kind of um, recreational areas where we had all these. Uh, reboots and uh, trigger trigger sticks and trigger rolls and um, self-massage tools and whatever and um, simply things what you just mentioned um, having someone in the team who is doing a yoga session every training day and uh, people can check out if that's something for them so just offering all these opportunities individual athletes were not familiar with until they were coming to camp or to a team team meeting for the first time this is just so eye-opening for trail runners still today and uh, the good thing is they see the benefits immediately and then they come back to, to the team management and they come back to us and say hey um, i have now seen what a huge difference it makes if i'm three weeks at a training camp and have physio treatment every second day would you be fine supporting me to find a physio at home i can work with and um yeah then we are stepping into the conversation of evolving the athlete setup and um, then we are back to what we just discussed before how do you take care on your partners and how do you develop your partners further to really uh, unlock their full potential and uh, yeah, you just mentioned it. Um, Coops is definitely one on, uh, at the forefront of focusing completely on the needs of ultra distance trail runners. And uh, yeah, I love that there are people out there pushing, pushing the athletes into the unknown mm -hmm. uh, because it's for the best of the sport. I want to come back to 
what we were talking about earlier in the conversation about how the Terex team is structured. Um, because it's remote. You're, you're a global running team. So maybe we can talk about this difference because there has been a lot of talk in our sport about whether co-located teams <clears throat> make the most sense. And it's very common on the road scene. Like I, I mentioned, Hoka Naz Elite. You've got Tin Man Elite, which is an Adidas a team. You've got the Hanson's Brooks Project. There's just a lot of that culture that already exists on road. Doesn't really exist on trail yet. Terex is taking a slightly different path. And one more thing I'll mention about that Coop Rosario podcast. Rosario says something interesting, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, in this day of age, you can't train alone. So I think he takes a pretty hard line stance on on the co-located side, side of the argument. But I'm, I'm curious to, to know why Terex has deliberately taken this global approach and not necessarily co-located, but like we'll meet at very strategic times in the year. And this is rooted in the sport itself. So, um, yeah, I appreciate all the, uh, the efforts the, the track and field colleagues are doing and even the road runners. And you have, uh, camps like that, just naming, for example, E10 in Kenya for the last 25 years where people are traveling towards to prepare for the biggest road marathons of the world, stuff like that. But hey, trail running is such a diverse sport. Um, it's distance, it's the surface, it's altitude, it's the technicality of trails. You, uh, you cannot avoid training in different location if you really want to improve your game. And therefore it's so important to bring the team to various different areas all over the world. And, um, next to just improving their running, uh, it also allows these athletes to avoid this kind of dullness, um, during the training process and especially in ultra distance running where the volume of running is extremely long. Um, do you do it in circles? Do you do it in loop? Even if you have the greatest loop on earth, it's getting boring at one point in time if you're doing it 365 days over multiple years. So um, from, a, from a training perspective, I think it is super important that you allow the athletes to adapt to different training destinations simply because the sport is so diverse. Mm. Ne nevertheless, aside from, aside from training and here I'm once again going back, the athlete is not just the athlete, the athlete is a human being. Um, it's so much more important to also connect these athletes with these different local communities and, um, embracing also the diversity of the outdoors by experiencing all these different destinations and doing that together with a team is definitely a unique experience and for most of these athletes an absolute gift and um, on top of that the diversity of our team also allows us to have locals in the team wherever we travel to so it's it's really great also for me as a manager to see this passion of team members when introducing their teammates to their home trails. And it's not only the home trails, it's their home communities, it's their home mountains. It's really, really cool to see this part of the, the human growth of the team members, which comes by simply exploring the world, exploring the different playgrounds. And trail running is a sport which allows us to really connect with the people, connect with them, with the outdoors. 
And therefore, it would be a shame if you just ask all these people to sit in one spot for, for one year, for two years, for their, for, for their careers. I have a lot of questions off that, but one thing you said that was super interesting to me is maybe the co-located model in Trail doesn't make sense because if you decide to situate a team in, let's just say, Salt Lake City, Utah, or Portland, Oregon, or you name it, that geography is going to make sense for a very particular type of event and distance, but it's going to come maybe at the loss of uh, appropriate training for other events. And our sport is just so diverse. No 200 milers are the same. Um, it could be mountain, it could be road, etc. So I had never heard that argument for why a team and trail maybe shouldn't be co-located, but that is super interesting to me. And it's interesting that that was part of your calculus when you were making this team uh, more dispersed. It was definitely a, on purpose. And uh, it's also the purpose to really connect people. So that's super important for us as the brand because it's not a service we are creating for a handful of elites. Um, what we really want to do, we want to, we want to motivate the communities to go outdoors. We want to, uh, help people to, to enjoy the outdoors and bringing these elites into the communities is such an inspiration for, for the local communities. And you immediately see if you're staying two, three weeks with the community, uh, you're seeing the motivation growing for the local communities to also go out running more or to enjoy longer runs because they have now this kind of mentors with them who are supporting them in their first real big mountain adventure. And uh, therefore, I think this kind of moving, moving team um, is helping the athletes. It's helping the human beings in the team to grow. It's helping the communities to grow. And um, it's also helping because the athletes can leave the team and go back home into their, into their home environment um, to have some complete reset and to, yeah, to, to reconnect also with their home environment. And I think this keeps this excitement and this freshment and this kind of motivation of all the team members to regroup frequently throughout the years with their team members, because it's always this new newness and it's always this kind of motivation mm. to explore, which is connected to the setup. You talked about it a bit there, but what are some of the other objectives for when the team comes together? And I think you call these training camps. So I'm curious, like how often the team meets per year and yeah, the goals are for when the team does come together, the objectives, stuff like that. Athletes always comes first. So that's a, that's a given and that's our mantra. So it's always the best for the athletes. So when we are creating this setup, we are really trying to make it the best environment for the athletes. And, um, that's, that's a given. Um, and nevertheless, athletes also have a motivation aside of just running. So for example, we are using training camps for, bringing our developers from the, uh, from the Terex employees, from the Terex team, um, together with the athletes. So working on, uh, future seasons products, uh, sharing design sketches or sitting together in workshops, simply working on, uh, on prototypes or, um, 
visions for future season products, um, that's definitely something we are weaving in. Um, in general, we are traveling with a, with a media crew. So we have our photographers with us. We have a videographer or videographers with us. And, uh, these people are with a team, uh, for years now. So they are part of the team. And for the athletes, it's sometimes a unique opportunity to get their own story told or to get their own content shot. And that's not primarily for the, for the benefit of the business. This is primarily the benefit of the athletes that they have also something they can use for their own PR. They can use for their own, you mentioned social media, of course, an important, important part in the life of a professional athlete. But it's also this kind of, you can do it in between and you need to have this kind of structure where you say, Hey, athlete and training comes first, but in between next to offering all these additional services like physio, like good nutrition, like um, active passive recovery. You can also invite the athletes for a, for a product workshop, or you can also just um, do a yoga session together with them, or you can invite them for a photo shoot, or they can, um, over the, the duration of two, three, four team gatherings, um, tell their own story to the media crew and we are creating a short clip about the athletes, something like that. So, um, in total it's athlete centric, but of course we are trying to weave in all the necessary parts to make an athlete camp also a beneficial thing for, for the Terex brand. This is a little bit of a tangent, but again, you mentioned something interesting there that when the athletes are at these training camps, they're accompanied by some of the team's content creators, like photographers, videographers, writers, etc. And that strikes me as very interesting and very valuable because I think, and it could just be the type of people that are attracted to the sport, but a lot of folks hesitate to promote themselves to the fullest extent possible on social media. They're more private people. They're more introverted. And I've always wondered whether brands will recognize maybe they should get more involved in the content creation process. Maybe there should be ghostwriters involved. Maybe there should be, uh, you know, photographers and videographers traveling to their locations to just, you know, set on the table, maybe two or three months worth of content for them to, to auto post and is that something that you're thinking about? It sounds like it with these training camps, but I just think it's, it's brilliant. We are definitely never forcing an athlete to be more active on social because like you said, there are people who are completely outgoing. They're having their mobile with them and they're doing an Insta story every single minute. Uh, and you even need to dim them down and say, Hey, come on <laughs> now mobiles off and, uh, let these devices aside, uh, because we are sitting together as a team dinner, uh, as a team at dinner, and we do not want to have uh, this captured more or less in 15 different Instagram stories in parallel. Um, and you have other people who are not that kind of um, motivated to share everything and anything uh, through social. And you need to accept you need to accept both both sides. Um, and nevertheless, um, doing social media is also something you can support no matter what level the athlete wants to make use out of it and just having good captured content and to have content the athlete is feeling confident and uh, happy to post 
um, to supply this this content to the athlete is already a super super big support for the athlete because otherwise uh, your insta feed looks like more or less uh, one selfie after the the other and here you have the unique opportunity to not only have professionally created content you might be able to have the one or the other short clip uh, up to telling a holistic story about yourself in a race or yourself in a whatever kind of project and um, we are definitely not pushing that uh, that we say athlete you have to do X, Y, Z amount of posts because that's also something you are already finding out when negotiating and scouting an athlete and uh, you know if an athlete is already coming into the team with 250,000 followers uh, okay it looks like you are more uh, up for that. If you're um, selecting an athlete who's coming with 250 followers, uh, you will also know he is not that guy or girl who is really into that. So um, if it's not social media, what else can the partner bring to the table, which is a benefit for the team, which is a benefit for Terex, and which is a um, which is something which is characterizing this this human being, and it does not need to be social for every single athlete. I know we've been talking about this in some form for the entire conversation, but I wanted to ask the question specifically because I think, again, I think a lot of athletes wonder about this and I think a lot of listeners are just curious, but how do you define value in the relationship between the athlete and the brand? value is a word I would like to avoid when talking about humans and partners at all but hey I get your point um, um, it's it's so faceted because it's lots of lots of things of course when talking about a professional sport it's always about performance so performance is always a part of the of the mix but it's also the story the the partner brings to the table. Yeah, everyone comes with a with a history. Everyone comes with a different motivation to be in the sport. Every everyone comes, um, um, yeah, with a with a different angle uh, towards the sport. It's uh, is driven by something special, and um, this creates the personality. And uh, this personality is what we are looking for because, um, yes, we are looking into team play and you need to have the right personality to, to fit into this team structure. Um, but it's also that in this team, we do not want to duplicate characteristics and uh, therefore there's more or less only one slot per character and character is something which is, which means okay uh, we do not need to have 20 athletes running a 100 miler um, but nobody running the 50k um, we do not need to have everyone coming with this typical runners approach i was running in high school i was running at college i was doing the olympic trials and didn't get it so i turned to trail and now i found out that i just need to run longer to be successful yes it's great if you have one two of these athletes coming exactly with their stories but then you need to have athletes coming with a completely different approach to the sport. And this creates this kind of uniqueness and uh, this specific characters you can form a team with 
and you can tell more stories about the team than just listing race results at the final end. And um, you might even find people in the team you will never see on the first top 10 of a race, but they might come into the team because they are just simply geniuses when it comes about product testing or giving insights about this is what the next generation's trail running shoe needs to look like to be state of the art in two years from now, in five years from now. Mm. Um, then you have people on the team who are, like I said, these next gen athletes. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's like filling out a lottery. Um, you do not know if you win something, but you know that there is something and I just um, frame it with the word character. Uh, there is something with this athlete why you are investing in the, in her or him, and it's it's like taking a bat on something. And uh, you you might win, and after five, six, seven years of growing this human and growing this athlete, he might be the next Western States champion. But perhaps in two or three or four years, they decide, oh, running is nothing for me. I'm going back to the university or I'm starting a family or whatever. So it's also this mix of fresh blood and experienced athletes. It's this kind of short distance, speedies and long distance uh, endurance goats. Um, so I think it's super, super diverse and it's super important that you're really mixing that team up and all together creates value. Mm. And um, that's why it's so hard to define value. And if someone is going into a sport like trail running and just looking after race results, I think it's the, the, the wrong sport. I do want to ask you a couple general questions about the athlete sponsor relationship in the industry as a whole and the events landscape and stuff. And I do want to add for context. I don't want to implicate any particular brand. I, I just want to talk generally about the industry because I think it's fascinating. The first question I have for you, and I'll offer my own story on it as well, is whether you think athletes in general are shortchanging themselves in the negotiation process when it comes to getting contracts and the reason I ask is because like I'm in the podcast space and I'm, for example, negotiating sponsorships for the show. And I'm noticing that there's a lot of overlap. So a lot of the same sponsors want to partner with shows in our sport. And I'm also noticing there's a ton of what I'll call information asymmetry in the market. So um, I may negotiate a deal with a brand and they'll say, well, this is different than the rate that this other show got. And I'm like, well, I can't help them. And I think that I benefit from having a sales and marketing background. Anyways, the reason I say all this is because I think that everybody is going to the negotiating table without really knowing what other athletes are saying and what other brands are saying. So yeah, I'm curious, like, do you think that, uh, athletes are helping or hurting themselves in this process right now? <laughs> um, once again, going back a little bit on time in time. And uh, when we started this trail running thing for, for Terex, we had a guiding principle and this guiding principle was um, gender equality. 
And uh, gender equality means to us that we wanted to have a team set up, which is 50-50, mm. um, female, male. And with gender equality comes um, what we call equal play, equal pay. And um, that's, that's a guiding principle we were setting up from the first day onwards. And it did not help us in the beginning to scout and to, uh, to contract athletes simply because um, we were coming with the naivety of a, of a new player with, uh, <laughs> with a great ambition to, uh, to change the sport. Because, uh, yeah, when we were entering the space, it was, it was absolutely normal that there was no equal play, equal pay. So um, telling uh, someone, a male athlete who is applying to your team and asking for X amount of money that we are only paying X minus 50% because the performance is just there. And on the female side, we have an athlete already on the portfolio, which is performing on the same level and was fine receiving um, uh, a payment of, uh, of X. That didn't help us in the beginning to contract um, established athletes. Nevertheless, now in the long run, um, I feel completely confident if my athletes would exchange their contracts. Um, in normal teams, in normal brands, uh, there's always a written clause in your contract, do not share your values, do not share your details wow. of the contract with anyone. So uh, in, in the team Terex, I'm feeling super confident when every single athlete of the team would just check out what the other athlete of the team has in the contract, they would agree that it's fair. And if this is the basis of a relationship, if this is how the team members feel in a team, that they are treated equally, that they are treated fair, of course, not everyone is getting the same because you always have the people who are sticking out. You have the people like a Ruth Croft winning Western States, of a Sabrina Stanley winning Hard Rock, of a Tom Evans winning CCC, you name it. Of course, there is this kind of difference in that team. But as long as all the team members agree, yeah, this guy, this girl deserves more, then it is still this kind of um, balanced out team. And um, I can clearly say um, equal play, equal pay, gender equality. This is the guiding principle for Team Terex. And if you are restrictive to yourself and you're not making kind of excuses just to get this one name on the team, um, you'll definitely be successful on the long run. And um, yeah, I can just say um, it was a huge win for us setting up that team that way. And especially for the females on our team, I think that's definitely appreciated. That's super cool. I was aware of gender pay disparities in other industries. I was not aware that that was a significant issue in trail running. It's cool that you took the lead, that your team took the lead on correcting that at least within the Terex environment. I'm curious, do you get a sense that the industry is still lagging or that, and again, we don't have to name brands, but would you assume that other brands are starting to also prioritize this and close that gap? I have no clue, yeah. to be honest. And I do not want to, 
I do not want to compare with other brands. Yeah. Um, if you want to change the world, you need to start with yourself. And uh, that's what we decided to do. And if other brands are following, if other brands are even leading us, we need to adapt. Mm. That's fine. Um, I'm not here. I'm not sitting here and say I'm doing everything right. Um, and I'm willing to adapt and I'm willing to learn. And um, I can just say for myself, it was exactly the same, the right decision to prioritize it and to to not just go with the trend because there are too many sports still out there uh, which are not following that principles. And um, and that's just me now guessing. If you, for example, compare the, the depth of the fields on the men's races compared with the depth of the field of women's races, I still believe this has something to do that there is not the same funding for females because you cannot tell me that there is less talent on the female side out there to run long distance. And I'm the fair believer that there is more talent on the female side out there. So why is the depth of the fields of a long distance run on the men's side still bigger yes. and than on the female side? And I want to be the brand to support the females to close that gap. And if we can achieve that and hey, we had three fantastic results of our females all finishing in the top seven at Western States this year. We did not have a single male in the race, but it for, was for us the most important race in North America in 2022. And having these three girls finishing top seven, this was the highlight of our year. Super cool. Yeah. Well, anyways, I want to commend you and the team. I think that that is a uh, incredible initiative on your part and i love that it's paying off and yeah i do hope again i don't know the answer either but i do hope that other brands are following suit or even trying to take it a step further if, if that's even possible another question i have for you just maybe this goes back to just how adidas terex thinks about strategy in the sport you've been investing pretty heavily over the last four to five years what initially made you want to put such a strategic focus on trail running and what are you betting is going to happen in the next couple of years, couple of decades to show that that investment was a good one? Like, what are you seeing that maybe the audience might not realize? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really a, um, it's going back to the roots. And uh, I think at Terex, we simply want to enable all humans to embrace a really connected and adventurous life in nature. And trail running is simply the perfect platform. It's coming with the lowest entry hurdles and it combines the beauty of the outdoors uh, with an unmatched community experience. And running is the most established sports all over the world. So from running in the cities, from running just around your block to running in the mountains, it's just a tiny little step. But the, um, the benefits the people get from it and um, yeah, especially now after the pandemic, more and more people are just looking to escape these hectic uh, hectics and the stress from living in metropolitan and urban areas. They want to, they are seeking for that relief by going into the outdoors and trail running 
can become this unique ventile for all these people. And uh, that's what we're seeing with Terex. So it's really to enable all these people to go out. It's enabled to, yeah, to enjoy these adventurous life out there because it's just a footstep away. Another question I have for you. I was actually talking with Corinne Malcolm about this back in January, I think. Um, and it's just the concerns that I have about our event landscape. It seems that individual brands in our sport, again, not going to name names, are heavily investing in the event space. And then they are very strongly either encouraging or directing their stable of athletes to either exclusively or majority participate in those events year in and year out. And my concern as a fan is we're going to get to this point where we never see any crossover competition between um, athletes from separate brands. And that's just, that, that's just sad to me. Like, I, you know, you love seeing like, you know, at the start line of UTMB, for example, like every single brand represented and it's just, it's just deep. Do you share those same concerns? And do you think we're going to reach a point where, uh, you know, there's going to be just events with like only one brand of athlete competing? <laughs> that would definitely be a worst case scenario. Uh, because then it's more or less, yeah, like, like, ah, I'm not talking about different sports. Nevertheless, um, yes, definitely I see that. But hey, every, every coin has two sides. And, uh, when you see the trail running landscape, it's anyhow completely fragmented. So, um, if I'm getting applications for, uh, from athletes wanting to become part of the team, everyone is listing a number of wins in 2021, 2022, 2019. So this just shows a win in trail running. It does not really mean too much when we're talking about performance sports, because they are simply a trail running race around the corner all over the world every single weekend. And, uh, I think when we're talking about uh, bringing that sport out of the niche, we need to create races where the best of the West race each other. And does it need to be in a specific series or does it need to be um, under a specific uh, organization or governing body? I don't believe so. I think it's simply, it needs to come back to being athlete centric and um, the race needs to attract the athletes and um, in trail running a race attracts athletes when there is a specific route when there is a specific course when there is a specific scenery or a specific race experience waiting for the athletes um, and an event attracts athletes when there is community support of the local com community for the race mm. um, and over time, these races create this kind of history, but you cannot artificially create this history and you cannot artificially create, create this race vibes and you cannot artificially create this runner's experience just by putting up a couple of logos. And I think mm. this is the decisive factor that races need to create a a unique racing experience for all the participants, not only talking elites, talking about every single one. There needs to be a reason for these people to travel to a race and to participate in a race. And that should not be the badge you receive at the finish line because you are now a finisher of event XYZ. But if this event XYZ is creating the best runner's experience, then 
I am convinced that the athletes and also the elites will go to this event. And uh, you just named a couple of them. And uh, UTMB was this event which collected more or less the best talent of the world every single year. Um, now going into a, into a weird kind of a qualification process where you need to do another UTMB event simply to go into the UTMB, um, it takes away the opportunity to, to freely select the races you really want to do as a as an elite athlete and uh, long story short i'm not forcing our team to race at certain events uh, what we do we are always uh, communicating the race calendar of the following year um, at the end of the last year so normally by november ish uh, the full team gets a kind of an overview this is a this is a key event calendar and this key event calendar is simply the events we are bringing the team to we want the team to race and this has exactly something to do with what i just mentioned it's a great race experience for the athletes though so there is an intrinsic motivation for the athletes to go there then there is a great connection to the local community or to the to the area um, perhaps we have also a kind of a uh, a reason from a brand that we say, hey, we want to support a race in France because uh, this is currently a market we want to enter in. Of course, there are also some dependencies when we are talking about marketing for Terex. Nevertheless, athlete always comes first and the race needs to fulfill the criteria that the athletes want to do it and would want to race there. The good thing is none of these races is really making a difference for the athlete from a financial perspective. Mm. So even when we are talking the biggest races of our sport, you'll not pay your pay your bills from winning UTMB. You'll not right. pay your bills from winning Western States. So there needs to be always this brand behind the athlete who is then also guaranteeing the athlete that they have a long-term benefit from being a UTMB champion. And um, this is something, and I'm not talking about all the other brands out there and I have no clue how they are handling it. Um, I simply fear that putting all this money in the events, athletes still fall under the table. Mm. And uh, that's for me the decisive question do the athletes just become play balls and that the brands force them to be in their series or um, do the athletes really benefit from being a part of their series because they can turn their lives into full-time professionals or they can really make a living out of the sport or they might even be in the luxury position to put a couple of dollars aside for when the shit hits the van and they cannot race professionally anymore and they need to start their education afterwards and to do a professional career after their running career something like that and this is something i would envision mm -hmm. that there is a kind of a race calendar which brings the best of the best together because when the best of the best race each other then it will be media attention and then there will be uh, a, a bigger attention of sponsors also outside of the sport and the sporting goods industry this will bring a tiny little bit more money into the sport and if this sport helps the athletes to develop and with the athletes the sport will, will develop 
then I, then um, I'm a fair believer that this would be for the for the bigger good of the sport. You mentioned something very unique about the current most popular events in our sport, like UTMB in Western States. There's no direct payout to the top performing finishers. I mean, obviously there'll be payouts, bonuses from their contracts, but no direct payouts. And it's interesting because I just had this guy on the podcast. Uh, he's a Canadian OCR crossover trail athlete. His name's Ryan Atkins and really interesting dude. And he just casually says, yeah, like in a given year, I might make 200, 250 grand just off of, uh, race winnings, you know, for, forget about the money that I get from sponsors, but I'm just wondering if we'll ever get to a world where, you know, athletes in our sport can, can be on the event circuit. And there's that added supplement of like truly significant race winnings. Um, so that, you know, during the prime earning years of their profession, they're getting like even more compensated and maybe justly so. Pray for this. So I definitely no. To be honest, um, uh, I'm hoping for that to come. Um, am I too optimistic about that in the current setup of our sport? Definitely not. Uh, for for certain reasons, it has something to do with how the sport is um, um, is organized. It's how the sport is um, is dominated by some key players. And it's simply um, the key players have different um, visions or different goals than um, paying a living for the athletes. Yeah. And um, therefore, I think it's, it's once again, it's the obligation of all players. And Terex is one of the players in that sport um, to allow the athletes to live their life as professional athletes to pay their bills to potentially even have a tiny little bit of money aside for starting a career after being a runner um, but it cannot be done just with one or two players and uh, i think that's an obligation of the industry that's an obligation of all players in the sport um, at the moment i do not see it mm. to be honest I just have a couple more questions for you here. Um, again, I'm always on the lookout for brands that are doing cool things in our sport. And this was maybe a year ago. There's an apparel company here in the U.S. called Tracksmith. And they have a very interesting athlete model where in addition to sponsoring the athlete to, to focus on performance, they also embed them within the marketing team, like doing like like desk job type stuff with the expectation that as they're careers on the track or on the road or trail wind down there's this really neat uh facilitation into the company where you know when they're in their 40s or their 50s or, or again whenever performance ends they have some they have like a security blanket and we've been talking about security on this show a lot for athletes i'm curious with terex if the athlete wants to do so can they further embed themselves in the marketing arm of the company and um, be like a lifer at Adidas Terex? Um, I would love to see that. And not only in the marketing arm, because this, this means marketing is something everyone can do as a second career. And I don't think, think like that. Nevertheless, um, um, embedding athletes is something we are already doing when they are active. 
And this is for a reason, because they are coming with unique insights from the sport. And being a, a, a sports performance brand, you, you are dependent on the insights and the knowledge from, from the sports. Is every athlete becoming a, a, a great product developer or designer? question mark but um, we had examples where we had the one or the other already doing this kind of internship and uh, getting a kind of a uh, yeah or could sneak into this corporate life and uh, and why not on the other side and this is also something we are really taking care and we just had one example of an athlete who took now the last 18 months more or less off from professional racing to just finish education um, so allowing an athlete to simply finish education when they are contracted as a professional athlete is also paving the ground for a future career and it does not only need to be inside of adidas Yes, we would love to have these athletes joining the brand as a second career. And in Adidas, we are blessed that lots of my colleagues have had a career in the sport before. Um, but I think it is so much more important that you are taking it serious, that an athlete is thinking about the time after the career and that you are giving these athletes the space and the freedom um, to go in parallel to finish an education and to fulfill um, a performance running career, even if that means there will be no single result in the result list of this athlete for the next six or 12 months. And that's once again, bringing me back to this, we are in there for the long run. And uh, she is now able to finish this chapter, walking away from university with a, with a great degree, um, in um, and yeah, becoming a doctor and uh, yeah the next chapter is now full running again but the mind is cleared because this chapter is ticked she knows there is this safety net she can go back to after a running career but now her passion is to run professionally for the next two three ten years who knows and I think this is exactly this kind of um, safety net brands need to create if it is inside of the brand by offering these athletes a second a second uh, career inside of the brand or by just allowing these athletes to to focus on education in parallel of their racing mm. i think that there's probably a lot of speculation involved in the answer to this next question but again as i observe our sport i notice that the media landscape is pretty fragmented and at the same time I see a lot of brands attempting to be the media company for our world. So for example, you know, you had Solomon TV in the past and I've seen Hoka do stuff on YouTube. I'm starting to see great content from Adidas Terex. Like I love the little like, you know, three to nine minute short videos that you did on like Corinne and Abby and Sabrina uh, at the training camp, I think earlier this year, or last year. And um, I'm just curious, does Terex think strategically right now about, um, distribution and trying to build out media on behalf of our sport? Um, we'll definitely not become a Red Bull media house for trail running. So um, we will stick to performance footwear and performance apparel as our bread and butter business. And uh, that will remain the focus of our brand. Nevertheless, and you, you, you hit a really important point, 
this board is absolute niche. And um, yes, I know that the community out there will uh, out there will hate me for saying that, but. Um, I think if you talk to 100 people about trail running, there will still be at least 90 saying, what are you talking about? And that's just, but that's, that's not, not something bad. I see it even as, as a, as a huge opportunity and yes, and a, and a huge chance because, uh, you have these authentic players in the sport and these authentic players in the sport deserve some storytelling. And that's what you have just mentioned seeing from Terex. It's completely boring to have the 15th documentation about a guy winning a race. Because you know it's a documentation, a guy winning a race when you start watching it. But it's not giving you insights about the personality. It's not giving you insights you can relate to. So um, the huge opportunity in our sport is that people can resonate to anything these superstars are going through from waking up in the morning until going to back in uh, bed in the evening. Yes, they're running a tiny little bit faster than all the others out there, but they're having the same ups and downs. They have the same issues in their daily life. They are putting the same amount of training in there. Uh, you just mentioned insecurity or um, uh, mental motivational issues, whatever. So if you are telling these real human stories, then you will resonate with the with the consumer and this will make your sport so much more attractive than watching the one millionth baseball match or baseball game or uh, european soccer or whatever kind of of uh, uh, sports you can see on television as soon as you switch the machine on and that's the huge opportunity of our sport that telling this this real stories and to connect the superstars with the everyday runner. I think this is the opportunity a niche sport like trail running gives. And if you are telling these stories in an engaging, in a good way, then I think this is how you also grow the participation. But this, because this is something everyone can connect to and everyone can get motivation by. And uh, it's it's so closer to yourself than just watching Messi in a soccer match winning the UEFA Champions League or whatever. Well, Robert, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. I think that we are at such a critical moment in our sport with regard to how we think about professionalization and in what directions we go over the next decade. And I love that Terex is leading the charge and thinking super critically about it. I'm grateful that you are working on the problem and you're in the trenches with the athletes every single day. I'll make sure to link to all of your socials and, and the Terex socials in the show notes. But before we go, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? I mean, we covered a lot of great ground. Go out and run. This is what I can, can leave with the audience. It's, it's great to listen to podcasts about trail running, but hey, go out and experience the joy of running in nature on your own. And uh, I think, uh, like I said before, it's just a footstep away. And uh, no matter where you are, uh, lace up, get a couple of uh, shoes on your feet and uh, hit the trails. Uh, you'll immediately find like-minded people. You'll find a community around you. and. Uh, 
yeah, that's what the beauty of our sport. And uh, yeah, not talking too much about it, simply doing it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we talk soon in the future. Thanks for the chat. Ciao.